Hey everyone, I just want to preface this episode by saying that I've been having some mic issues recently, and I more recently figured out what those mic issues were and have since fixed it. But unfortunately, there are a few episodes that were recorded before I did, of which this is one. So I'm sorry if my voice sounds a bit distant or echoey in the episode. I hope it doesn't detract too much from the listening experience. I'm Dave Starrell. And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 35, Breaking the Story. So what does breaking a story basically entail? So your story is a collection of scenes, and you need to know what those scenes will be, and then they need to flow logically from one to another, and they need to define a character or at least plot arc, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are just sitting down on the keyboard and, and writing your story from the beginning without any planning at all. The story is like a wild horse, right? And if you try to do that, it it might work out for you. Um, but more often than not, you'll just get bucked by the story. So the story needs to be broken before you can write it, basically. It's the etymology slash metaphor mm-hmm. th- that's being used there. Basically, you want to make sure the story doesn't do anything too wild on you? Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, when you hear people talking about, like, oh, characters did this this totally unexpected thing, and then I had to, like, alter everything. Those are not alterations that you want to do. And sometimes you can get stuck if you don't, like, outline and plot your story. So I think it'll be partly what I do if I'm trying to write a short story, and I don't just want to wing it. And it'll be partly about what you look for in outlining and where people go wrong. But I would like to, I, I would like to find a story or, like, an idea... That's I just probably pull something off my scratch pad or something and just talk about mm-hmm. what it takes to get from like that kernel of an idea to an actual story out of it. Right. Or like an actual like outline of a, a logical progression of events and a character arc. Okay, so is there any kind of example that of that you wanna kinda of work through for the listeners? Yeah, so I've, I've had this idea that I've lots of ideas. I, I keep a, a scratch pad of mm-hmm. ideas. This is something I would encourage people to do. Install an app or find one that's already pre-installed on your phone that can take memos so that you can just like write down great ideas that you have or just empty yourself of ideas is a good way to put it. One that I have put some words down for without any planning, which is sort of contrary to what I'd suggest people do, is uh, for a sort of Power Rangers-esque story. Okay. Um, I've, I've talked about this on, on previous episodes. Also because I was watching a Miraculous Ladybug. Some kid in her class or someone close to her gets turned into a villain, and then she has to defeat them, and then she captures the little demon butterfly thing, and, it, and everything turns back to, to normal. And they, they come out of their villain fugue state or whatever. So when I'm when I'm taken with an idea, right, because that, that's where we're starting from. Uh, mm-hmm. We're starting from a basic idea and then we're ending ideally with a full outline or at least a list of of scenes and a logical progression of events and then our character arc or plot arc within that. Right. That That's the whole. That's the basic structure. Yeah. That's the whole goal of breaking the story is you want to get from 
that kernel of an idea that you had that you're particularly taken with and you want to end at the outline for a story. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind breaking a story, I think it was Vince Gilligan who did um, X-Files and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and stuff. He said that anyone who has uh, fully broken the story can just write the script. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of academic, the writing part after that, which I don't, I, I think that's uh, vastly overstating it, but um, kind of an ideal form. You mean like it's once you, when, when you've fully broken the story, what you've essentially done is you've plotted out every single possible point in the story. And all you've got to do now is fill in the, the gaps between the plot points with actual scene and dialogue and action and all that. Yeah. And you know, you know, your the path that your character is taking, you know, all the, the progression of events from from point A to point B to point C. Right. Um, no surprises left in yeah. terms of oh I didn't think of that uh, or or my character doesn't actually it doesn't really make sense for my character to do that or anything like that. Yeah, and you you've basically uh, you've got your your picture and all the lines are in place and you just need to color everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just the easy stuff is left. So if I decide that I want to do a like Power Rangers type thing, mm-hmm. like Super Sentai Sailor Moon thing, I first have to think about like, what do I actually like? What what is the idea that I like? What's the theme that you that you want to write the story based off of? Is it the teenagers getting powers and exploring like what they do with it? Is it the challenges of balancing schoolwork and saving the world? Is it um, the relationship and the team dynamics that that come from putting people in such volatile situations, like things like that, right? Yeah, and in my case, the thing that I is not not touched it on by mm-hmm. any show that I've seen is when Ladybug turns everyone back, the person who is made into a villain just, like, wakes up and is like, oh, what happened? People are like, mm-hmm. oh, you were a villain, and everything goes back to normal. But everyone, like, remembers what mm-hmm. happened. I mean, it, the villains come out of this, out of this fugue state, and they don't remember what happened. Everyone else remembers everything. But then the whole world is set back to normal because it's like a kid's TV show and you every, you want all the episodes to be watchable out of order, right? Right, so you're talking about like in, in Sailor Moon, for example, every so often the, the villains would like take some character, just some random person in the in the... In the world, and like turn them into a monster, and and have them fight, have the sales guys have to fight them, and then once they get fought, they like get turned back to normal. Um, I think they would do that with regular people. I might be confusing Sailor Moon with a different kind of Super Sentai or, or Magical Girl anime. Uh, yeah. But but once they woke up, it was basically like, oh, you know, like they don't remember what they did, obviously, because they were taken over by the magic or whatever. Uh, but everyone else is just like, all right, well, we've solved that problem. Time to move on to the to the next day. And every, everything before just kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. I wanted to do the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Or not not the opposite of that. Uh, the, the logical extension of that in terms of, like, psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Where you are made into a villain or whatever, and you do all this villainous stuff, and then the heroes beat you or whatever, and you come out of that, and people still remember. Right? right. They, they still remember those aspects of yourself that were revealed when you were a villain. And... You know, even if someone is like, if you break someone's arm, and then the the heroes defeat the villain, and then that's that's magically reversed. I mean, that arm was still for a time broken. That trauma is still there. That sort of right. So that's sort of that's sort of the the, the thing that I want to write about. Okay, so you you you're the theme then that you're exploring is kind of like what are the what are the villains and the civilians around them, I guess, go through when they've been 
sort of temporarily evil turned evil either because of something inside them that was like exaggerated by evil magic or because um the villains just decided to choose them for you know convenience sake to hijack them because they were like you know they owned a jewelry shop or whatever it was that whatever it was that cho- made the villains choose them yeah how, how they how they live with themselves afterward and how everyone else lives with them yeah and then the the, the deeper like talking about real life stuff is scars that don't fade mm-hmm. or traumas that people don't get over even after the you know physically present things have passed right and so that's sort of the the deeper thing that i'm trying to hone in on with the story that has no plot or characters or anything to it at this point right right so there are two different directions that you can take with this right Mm -hmm. um we need to end up with a set of scenes that flow from one to another and we need to end up with a character arc ideally and we need to have a conflict and that conflict needs to have a resolution or it at least needs to be fundamentally changed in some way you can you can get away with not resolving your conflict so long as that conflict is different at the end than it was at the beginning mm-hmm. so you can start at any of those points if you want a character arc you can start with a character and figure out what their um flaw or condition or whatever is at the beginning and figure out what it is at the end and then build everything else around that. Or you can start with a scene that you really like and build out from there. And then you make your character arc, uh, to match, or you can figure out your, your central conflict and the resolution to that conflict. So this is a advanced, kind of an advanced form of of story outlining, right? Yeah. And the, the advantage over kind of just being like, these are my characters. This is the plot. This is the conflict. These are how they resolve the plot, and this is the character arc, and just kind of laying all that out individually. Is it called making the story kind of because you're you're intentionally trying to like find the find the points that might be hard to do? It's partly that I think. So what I've seen a lot of novice writers do is that they will they will start with a character and a conflict, and they'll write their first scene, and then they'll see where it ends up going. Which doesn't usually get you a very good story. Even if you're, even for a technically proficient writer, it usually will just meander towards an end. Yeah, and, and what that usually results in, if it does turn out to be a good story, is basically just lots and lots of rewriting, right? Like, yeah. write out the story, look it over, be like, this is, if not trash, then this has a lot of problems. Start over, maybe try to salvage it by changing a few things here and there, and then just doing your best to fix what you've written originally. Um, or like I said, just starting over with the with the from the from the basics and and tweaking things. Yeah, a lot of people will just write scenes one after another, and that's you don't usually want a story where it's a scene and then a scene. You want it, you know, a scene, therefore, or because of that, another scene, right? Mm-hmm. You want you want them to be logically linked to another to one another or at least thematically linked to one another if you have multiple threads going. We're just going to stick with one singular thread for now. Mm -hmm. But then the other problem is that if you just do logically linked scenes, they don't necessarily add up to anything at the end, right? Right. Even even if your conflict is resolved, so what? That's not necessarily, you know, a good guy fights a bad guy, and then a bunch of stuff happens along the way, and then... The the good guy went. That's missing the character part of it. It's not compelling on its own. Yeah, I mean it can be. You can you can write without you can write without character arcs. A lot of people 
do, and they have mm-hmm. had success with that. So I guess I can't say <laughs> don't do that. But I, I, I think that's a usually a worse way to go about it. It's how a lot of TV is written. Like, yeah, I was just, I was just gonna say this is the, um, this goes back to the sitcom idea. Like, we're not necessarily saying that this isn't something you can do to write a successful TV show or serial series, but it makes for less effective storytelling i would say i mean a lot of a lot of the really successful tv shows that cartoon i guess cartoon shows is what i should say because i haven't watched too many live action sitcoms recently is that they've kind of started doing that whole like character arcs and like long-term storytelling i don't watch adventure time i don't watch like ben 10 and stuff but i hear about them because I, I know people who do uh, and it seems like like even if they start off with the episode of the week kind of format unconnected just kind of here's the setting here the characters watch their crazy shenanigans and eventually goes into much deeper uh storytelling yeah and that's how you get diehard fans i think yeah although i I do sometimes wonder how much of that is the creators wanting to stretch their muscles Mm -hmm. versus like a market-based approach to writing the most compelling story in order to sell advertising right right. because it could be either one for all i know right Yeah, um, I would I would actually be interested in, in talking to marketers and seeing if they've ever like looked into the difference between them because I I can't imagine well shows like Justice League get, I mean not Justice League uh, Young Justice apparently get canceled because merchandising doesn't uh, rise to the expectations required of them. Yeah, so other factors that go into it too apparently. Yeah, so we will start with character, character and and conflict. I usually do those more or less together. Because you need mm-hmm. you need a conflict suited to your character, and 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 vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So our character is either someone who wakes up from this fugue state and they see that they've done this stuff and people aren't forgiving them for it, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any control of it. That hits a little too much in to me. That's a different that's a different story than the one I want to say, the, or than the one I want to tell. Because I want to talk about the scars on people and the traumas. That's what I, that's what I, in my mind, the story is about. And so if you do it about someone who wakes up and has done some terrible things that people won't forgive them for, that's more like metaphorically about getting blackout drunk or something, or it's more about a loss of control, which I mean, can fit fine in drama. But one of the scenes that I want to write to move on that track is a bunch of people doing like, support group partly because it's that it's that aspect of storytelling where you are taking something magical just like teen superheroes and the villains they fight against and you are you're putting that in a context where it's something mundane where you have like a bunch of people in a church basement with folding chairs doing group therapy with each other Mm -hmm. have you seen jessica jones i have yes yeah i really like jessica jones I did too, and yeah, the group counseling scenes of the people who were who were victims of Toadgrave, I thought were like one of those things that you didn't have to put in the show. Like the writers didn't have to put that in the show, but the fact that they did like elevated it for me. Yeah, it was really interesting to see people talk about like what it's like to have been been forced to do things that were horrible outside their control. Yeah, and I think it's one of those. It's a touch of realism in a sense brought in because mm-hmm. it's a very not superhero thing support groups generally right one of the reasons why uh worm was actually the therapy scenes in, in worm was one of the another one of the things that really elevated it for me not just because like as a therapist but also just like as someone who enjoys superhero fiction 
and like like many people has wondered like like don't they have therapists in this world right like like don't they recognize that this is a major psychological strain and emotional strain that these people go through and all that stuff uh, young justice did too actually things like that really like not just add to the realism of the story, but also give you a lot of great chances to develop the characters and communicate things to the readers through the story. It may potentially even help the readers out. Yeah, so I want to start somewhere somewhere like that. And I think I want to start with a character who is like one of the heroes and is attending these you know, therapy sessions or whatever. And if we're doing it about trauma and the strains that people have on them and the sort of stuff that can't be erased... I don't know. I you can you can focus on the side characters. That's fine. I think usually if I'm telling a story, I like to focus on the most powerful people within it. Mm-hmm. So our our character will be someone who's been doing the like weekly animated children's show thing for like ten years or something, and is ground down by it, and attends therapy sessions as a way of sort of trying to deal with it without fully committing. If we keep the central core as being like physical things that get wiped away and then the, the mental aspects remain, then our character can be like haunted by a bunch of stuff in the field. Post-traumatic stress disorder, I think it's, I see a lot and I don't really, it's one of those things like alcoholism that if I see in a main character the first time I see it, it's, I'm like, oh yeah. And then the like third or fourth time I see it, I'm like, okay, I, I understand alcoholism. Um, right. So just just some, someone who's been worn down, someone who has like seen all this stuff and been changed by it and can't be unchanged and has in some respects lost innocence or childhood or, or something like that, right? If that's what we're starting from in terms of character, then we have to look at what the character arc is and what the central conflict is that makes sense for that character arc, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to do a tragedy then it's someone who has been worn down and then finally there's the last straw and they give up or, or they they're defeated because you can only fight monsters for so long before you come across one that you can't beat. Right. right. If you've been doing it, like if you've been fighting one monster every week and it's always a close call for mm-hmm. like eight, 10 years or something like that. You're just playing the odds. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that speaks to me, but it's questionable to me whether that's narr- narratively satisfying. A lot of people don't like... Downer endings? Downer endings and tragedies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I- ideally a tragedy, you're, you insert into the protagonist the seeds of their own destruction. Yeah, because you can have that and not make it necessarily a... Tragedy. First, you can have that be a theme that the character's aware of, and then you can also even have it occur where the character ends up finally getting killed and not necessarily leave it off as that uh, having to be a downer ending because like that's a thing that a lot of people deal with like the idea that they might like the you know soldiers policemen firefighters there are people who know that they're putting their life on the line to protect others and might die any day while they're while they're on the job and assuming that is you know one of the major motivations of the character in particular not necessarily saying that everyone has that as their major motivation for doing those jobs but for the people who do for whom that is a major motivation you know that's can be inspirational to others that can be something that that like drives others towards heroism even knowing that they might they might someday die themselves yeah so i think you you can either do the downer ending where eventually Mm -hmm. things catch up but you end on a semi-hopeful note which is this was still the right decision to make but i think if you want to if you want to start low and go high, 
and not have a complete victory over the entire forces of evil, then mm-hmm. you end with a your, your character arc is getting to the point of a renewed sense of purpose or hope or an affirmation of of that path, basically. Mm-hmm. Like something's different now. But from from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, if you want it, if you want to make it um, more hopeful rather than less hopeful, you would say, you know, this battle turned a tide in the in the war, or this discovery, you know, changed something that'll make it easier for, for future, those in the in the future, or um, just something that that can can also like show a, a wider sense of, of scale so that's like, you know, we don't necessarily save the world every week or even possibly within one person's lifetime. Um, it's a it's an ongoing battle that multiple people contribute to. So this this particular team of um, you know, magical girls or or um, Power Rangers or whatever it is, uh, they're just like um, they're they're soldiers in an army, more or less. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't need to resolve your conflict. You can just change it in some way, right? Um, if your you if your conflict's mm-hmm. exactly the same at the beginning of the story as at the end, then uh, you can do that too. But then it's definitely a tragedy, and you have to play that tragedy correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, so, a, a change in character mm-hmm. is a change in conflict to some extent, right? Right. So when you're breaking a story down, um, what you're basically doing is kind of saying, like, I don't want at any point for my um, my writing flow to be interrupted by what happens next. So you just plot out, you know, this happens, which would probably lead to this, which would probably lead to this, and that kind of thing. Um, do you do that for every story uh, that you that you try to write out? I don't. I sometimes just have an idea and I start with a sentence. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I keep writing. I, I tend to abandon those sooner rather than later. I had one that was right. uh, oh the the idea was like um, the in Harry Potter the Ministry of Magic has like the mm-hmm. people who go around um, meddling with Muggles' memories. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically that, and I'm like, yeah, I want to I want to tell a story that's about. That's about the masquerade, and it is about mm-hmm. uh, like going into people's minds and erasing their memories, and the um, the obvious ethical issues with that, and sort of the less obvious character things that that go on if you're like one of these people who's just looking into people's minds all the time and right. sort of flippantly erasing well, I, things and stuff. Yeah, there's also a lot of like unintended consequences and potential issues that can come up with that. Um, I can totally see some obliviator kind of like going into someone's mind to erase their memory of magic and seeing like, for example, uh, the memory that shows that they are a um, serial killer or something. And then having that person basically be like, okay, well I can't f- ignore that. Like, what do I do about it? Like, do I just kill them? Do I like try to report them to the police? The, the muggle, so you know, the muggle police and you know, like things like that that could you can form a story out of that um, that that job because the job itself is just so interesting uh, when you really look into it. Yeah. So my problem was I did not uh, plot out or plan that story at all. I just started with mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, uh, on the whole, the, the masquerade was easy to maintain because of cognitive biases and all this other stuff that, that helps you out, right? Because people mm-hmm. aren't going to report a unicorn. They'll just think that they saw something and didn't actually, or they'll keep it to themselves for fear of ridicule. Um, right. And then you just... Deal with the outliers. Yeah. Um, but the story just starts just starts like that. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a fine start story. I got uh, like 8,000 words into it, mm-hmm. which is about like a tenth of the novel. Um, and then I was like, wait, where is the story going? Right? You, you can only put one scene ahead of another, like your, uh, like your Wallace and Gromit laying train tracks really quickly um, to, to make sure that you have a place ahead of you. You can only do that for so long before you have to start curving it back towards a resolution. And then even if you do that, you're probably stuck with some character stuff that you don't have arcs for or they're dangling plot threads because you dropped in a hint for something that didn't come to fruition because you didn't do any planning for it. Um, right. So yeah, I do stories without structure or not without structure, without outlining or breaking the story at all. Um, I do that all the time and it just re- re- results in a lot of, of wasted words. They're like, Mm-hmm. There's a graveyard full of stories that. Incoming transmission. Was that you? That could have been. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was my phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's a, a graveyard full of stories that just never had any grounding to them, and never had any plans, and it's like to to do that when you're midway through is not very easy. It's not very, yeah. When, uh, Stephen King talks about killing your darlings, um, Mm -hmm. a story like that, where you get, uh, a reasonable ways in through, um, will have a higher number of darlings and they will be in scenes where you've already written them out. Right. And then they've already Mm -hmm. meshed themselves into your story and you'll decide, well, that's a neat scene on its own, but within the context of larger story, it doesn't make sense or it doesn't fit in thematically or Or it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, and you can have a few of those, uh, Mm -hmm. you can have a few scenes that are not, um, integral to the story or don't even integrate well into the story. And we're just a pleasure to write and you leave them in. Uh, You're allowed a few of those. Um, especially if you're technical, prose is on point or your descriptions are good people will let you get away with um some of that stuff there was a there's a scene in this one book i was reading i um where they're they're trying to find this mad or they're trying to find this atomic bomb that was stolen and so they're tracing radiation around the city to try to find it and they find a bomb and it's in the skies, like abandoned garage or something. Um, and it's like 20 years old and it's just this completely unrelated atomic bomb that someone had stolen and it was covered up and then it's never mentioned again. And it was a really cool scene, but it had nothing to do with the story. Right. Cause I don't know. It was about nuclear proliferation or I, I'm sure that 
if I, I were to talk to the author, he might try to justify its placement in the story somehow. But it was mm-hmm. it was totally unconnected. Um, you're allowed one or two of those in a novel. You're not allowed any of those in a short story. Um, just because you're, you know, your your whole runtime is like eight thousand words. You can't insert a scene that you just liked. Right. So, what are some strategies to to break the story, like break it down and and find those potential surprises and, and make sure that they're not either they're not unnecessary to the story, or they're not distracting to the story, or they serve the the bigger plot, or find the bigger plot for that matter. Like, what are some things that you do then to to try to go beyond just like you know an outline and and do more of a like I guess uh, kind of a pre mortem? Yeah, if you're doing a pre mortem, I think the biggest thing is to actually figure out the stuff ahead of time, right? Like actually figure out what your story is about. Figure out what your character arcs are, uh, figure out what your central conflict is and what its resolution is. That puts you ahead of a lot of people who write by the seat of their pants and then just get to the end and they're like, okay, we're gonna gonna wrap it up now. Yeah, if, if you stall out at like 30,000, 40,000 words if you're writing a novel, usually the case for that is that there's not a firm enough grasp on character until it's too late, or there's not a firm enough grasp on the ending until it's too late. You should always have an ending in mind. Ideally, that ending is going to be linked very closely to your central character arc as well. Those are like totally mismatched. You have to find some way to match them mid-story, which can be really difficult. So like the the, the memory one, right? Mm-hmm. It was set in the like 1970s or whenever the beta cam came out, and it's like causing this crisis in the wizarding wizarding world, which is like having an election, and one of the central issues is whether whether the Muggles are going to be informed or not. Right. And so I I I knew that much because I liked that idea that like the time for being able to have a masquerade was pat you know slowly passing by and getting it was getting more difficult with every year and to me it had sort of a nice parallel to like global warming mm-hmm. right where it's like this is a problem and we can't just keep ignoring it yeah we can't just keep ignoring it but it might be politically convenient in the short term to ignore it or to um get reactionary about it or whatever right. and a similar um it was a similar kind of story idea that I wanted to write around. That was like this idea of immortals existing, whether they're you know, vampires or people with curses or some kind of like magic being, whatever it is, and just like becoming harder and harder to maintain anonymity as technology improves and things like pictures and blood samples and satellites and all that stuff start going up. And like what what they get together and talk about when that starts happening and like strategies they, the different people use to deal with it. Yeah. So I was like, well, this is going to, you know. You've got to think of an ending at that point. Like, you've got to be like, okay, so how do I want to end this kind of conflict? Yeah. And it's easy to underestimate how firm your ending needs to be, in my experience, mm-hmm. where, where you are like, okay, it's just going to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on like a detective story with these two you know, uh, non-copyright version of the Obliviators, mm-hmm. right? And they're going to, like, find a guy who has been... It's like a repeat customer where they keep having to make visits to him and they find that he's 
been in contact with some wizard or something and then is like using medicines with a side effect of amnesia to keep his his mind clean so they can't read him i don't know i i think that was the plot and anyway i was gonna have this tie into the election and then they expose someone or they choose they 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 there's a political thing going on into the, in the background at the beginning of the story that would come into the foreground at the end, and then they have a choice to make about whether or not they're going to ruin the, this guy's political career, and it's going to come to that. That, I think, was in the outline, and the problem is that's not, that's not anywhere near firm enough, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you're sort of scrambling to get to that point. You don't have the intervening scenes or the intervening like character arc for that you can't just like follow someone for you know you can't follow someone for a novella length even and then get to the end and then they have to make a choice and then that choice like defines them or whatever that's not i mean you you can do that certainly that's not the correct way to do it because you're not you're not working their revealed character into that choice you need you need a bunch of little choices leading up to that if that's where you're going to end your story. I don't know if that's clear. So would you base? Are you saying basically like you you'd want to make sure you know where the story, uh, like what choice the character is going to make first, right? So that's like the okay, I'm going to have this world. There are these obliviators, um, non-trademark obliviators that are going around making sure the masquerade stays up. In their version of the wizarding slash magical community that are going to to deal with this advent of technology that's making it harder and harder for them to keep their job. Like maybe there's this one guy who's like going out specifically trying to film magical things and he keeps getting lucky and, and finding some and they're like, okay, like they're trying to tell their, their superiors like this job is not as easy as it used to be. Like something needs to change and society's kind of the society's kind of grappling with this question politically. And at some point they're gonna have to come down on the question of either tell the muggles or I guess, kill the muggles, or like become more extreme in terms of how they keep their secrets, or become more reclusive in terms of where they live, and that kind of thing. Like whatever, whatever decisions the, the society ends up making, having to make, um, you're saying like first know where the character would fall, and then start plotting out what makes them get there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, like, so let's say that there's two political sides, and there's a, lot, uh, a wizarding election going on in the background, and one side says we have to drop the veil of secrecy and integrate into society now or it's going to happen for us. Right. And then the other side says, whatever, ignore the problem. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we can't, we can't afford the resources or just hire more obliviators and uh, be more careful and pass more yeah. laws. Yeah. Yeah. The sort of do nothing approach. Mm-hmm. And our choice at the end is then let me open up my outline. Okay. My outline is literally like, 20 words <laughs> so the the integrate into society side eventually it's revealed that that the guy who is running for wizarding grand Puba or whatever mm-hmm. is he has been helping this repeat offender who is actually his father whose mind is, was wiped of his like childhood or whatever when you're a kid they screen you for magical ability and if you have it then they take you away from your muggle family and right that was one thing that about harry potter that never made sense to me is every muggle born's parents gets like introduced into the magical world too yeah and then then they don't they don't get integrated into the culture at all yeah they're just kind of like oh well 
Little Jimmy's a wizard. How nice for him. So in this world, the people are they're taken from their family, and then memory of the child is is either wiped or they like put in a thing where you have a false memory of your child's death or something like that. Oof. Something so, something bad, but that you might think was a little understandable. I mean, that's the way that would be the cleanest way to do it for sure. Like you know, missing things leaves people kind of like constantly searching, like risks people constantly searching. Uh, if you just try to have them erase the memory of having the kid at all, that, that doesn't really work, especially in modern times, because, you know, first of all, there's all the evidence of them being pregnant, and there's the whole, yeah. like, yeah. Right. So, the guy who's on the integrate with muggles side of things is revealed to have been working with this repeat offender, who is actually his father. Mm-hmm. And the the detectives have, like, seen enough that they are sympathetic to this politician and they can either do their jobs and blow the case wide open and swing the election uh, fully against the like integration side of things or they can sit on it until after the election or whatever not whatever because that's the entire defining point of the story um right but that's something that needs to be figured out and then you need to work backwards if you're doing um you know plot first mm-hmm. You need to work backwards and figure out what the character arc is that leads to that decision. So let's say that the decision is the thematically appropriate, the detectives decide to erase their own memories of it, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like ties back into the thing. You get a warm little fuzzy thing of like, oh, yeah, it's it's the thing that we saw at the beginning and they're doing it to themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they decide on that. Then you work backwards and you say, what character, what's our character arc there, Right. What is true about our detective character at the beginning and what is true about him at the end that makes him different? Mm-hmm. And and how does he travel along that? Because presumably he's been doing this for a long time. He's been erasing right, people's right. memories. He's been dealing with the repeat offenders and the problems like that. And he's like known all this stuff about his his society. So what's the... What's the path that he takes? And in the words that I was just writing, because I was putting words in front of each other, he is a guy named Charles, who is sort of not clueless, but does not think very hard about the world around him. He just sort of like a... He's a nine to five, collect your check, uh, enjoy the game. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's friendly and it's all sort of routine to him and he doesn't think too carefully about it he just looks in people's minds he sees that whatever magic they saw or whatever needs to be erased he erases it uh cleans up after himself and then and then he goes along his way and is just like happy about it mm-hmm. i guess in in a way that someone who is just following rules can be happy because they're you don't have to think think too much about those rules right the issue of bridging that gap from having character like that at the beginning to a character who decides that he needs to erase his own memory of this investigation. That's somewhat difficult, and I think it might work better if you had a character who was more invested, mm-hmm. less like aloof about things. Right, which is also another thing you want to kind of figure out. what, Like, what kind of character would work best for the story? Yeah. What kind of character would work best for the story and, and the theme that I want to kind of communicate with it? Okay, so this is, would you say this is something that you would tell people, best case scenario, do this all the time as much as possible for every story you want to write? Or 
is this kind of like a if you're worried about your stories or you're having trouble with your stories, this is a good strategy. Because there's some people who legitimately are just like, you know, I sit down and try to outline and try to figure out where the story is going. But I just, it's, you know, I spend like weeks doing it and it just never seems like it's satisfying. And it's not until I just sit down and start writing that like ideas come to me and, and I feel like the story is either doing well or I figure out what to do with it or something like that. I think that if you find yourself starting stories and then never finishing them, mm -hmm. then you need to do... You need to break your stories more. Mm -hmm. Outlines are part of that, but I think that you can fall into the same traps. If you're just writing an outline, then you're just, you know, writing abbreviated versions of scenes. And if your problem is that you are putting one scene ahead of the other without trying to make them into a story shape or, or worrying about character arc and stuff, then that, that type of outlining is not going to help you. Right. If you find yourself just endlessly world building or outlining, a lot of people find that stuff really fun and so they do it a lot and some people are just really indecisive and so they add more and more and they never start writing if you do that i'd say just write right you, yeah a lot of professional writer, writers will say that you need to write 200 to like 500 words every day to get your writing muscle built up which i mostly agree with mm -hmm. just so you're in, in the habit of it and i think that if you're just outlining constantly then you're not you're not building up your writing muscle. You're not really getting that much better as a writer. Mm -hmm. So for me, I do the story breaking stuff when I don't have access to a pencil and paper or yeah. a computer. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah, it's kind of like the the convenient outlining tool because writing story out by hand these days is generally speaking not the preferred tool. It's a lot of effort to type it up. Yeah. Afterward and yeah. Yeah, I I think that you need to think about your stories a lot and. Most, you know, if you have a commute, it's a good time to just like turn off the radio and think about think about your character arcs and mm -hmm. your sequences of events and then just have dedicated time to sitting in front of a computer actually typing the words. How much you should focus on breaking the story sort of depends on where you're at as a writer and what your particular skills are and what you've built up. My personal problem is that I did not in the past do it enough. Now I do it for most stories I'm writing unless it's just... And also, I'm just trying to get an idea out. Right. Right. Like, I am trying to work on a chapter of Glim Morden, and there's, I have this other idea, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so great. Then then I'll, I will just write without an outline mm -hmm. and just try to kind put of down, pump. Yeah, put, put down words until I've, it's worn itself out. Yeah. So, definitely something to try for everyone, like, if they are feeling like it, outlining is something that they're struggling with, or um, finishing stories is something they're struggling with, I should say. Yeah. All right, then. So that's a good look at a type of writing tool for people who are potentially struggling with finishing stories or characters surprising them or unresolvable plot points. Hopefully you guys find it useful, and thanks for listening.